Hello, friends, and welcome to the Afternoon Tea Literary Society podcast. I'm your host, Brianne, and today we're going to be going over part two of The Book Thief by Marcus Suzak. So before we begin, I'd just like to give everybody a big thanks for listening to part one, and I'm very sorry for not having a podcast episode up in a couple of weeks. My school semester started, and the first couple of weeks are usually an adjustment period, um, and thankfully this is my last semester of coursework, so I won't, hopefully, once the summer comes around, it won't be thrown off again or even now. Um, just have to figure out a schedule that works well for me, but I thank you guys all for your patience in advance. Um, I really do enjoy doing this podcast, and I can't wait to get through all of the book thief with you guys. I kind of get that for some people, one part a week might be a little too slow, um, but I think right now too, especially given um, all the work that I have to do, this seems pretty ideal for me. It might be ideal for some other people, um, and it'll be a win-win situation. Anyway, um, this episode is probably going to be pretty short because part two is kind of small, <laughs> to say the least. Um, a lot of the details we go over is kind of compact into these chapters, and it's more a lot of description. Um, but yeah, uh, I will get into the summary now. So part two is titled The Shoulder Shrug, <laughs> and we're going to be reading this through the theme of opportunity. So in the first little section of part two, um, we kind of find out that Liesl is going to become a book thief, or she literally is going to become caught in these acts of thievery, as the book says. <laughs> in one of the other sections of part two, called The Town Walker, Liesl starts to help Rosa Uberman by picking up laundry and money. And then at this point, too, in her school life, <laughs> she learns how to write letters. And one of the letters she wants to write is to her biological mother. During the section called The Town Walker, Liesl gets the idea to spend their laundry money to mail her letters. This, of course, gets her into a lot of trouble with Rosa Uberman. However, she receives no replies, and soon it's Hitler's birthday in 1940. For this occasion, the readers get to meet the Uberman's kids, both of whom are described as being not-so-kind and feud. Feud. Hans Jr. is a Nazi. Hans Jr. later calls his father a coward for not joining the Nazi party. Trudy, she's fewer too, but she's not as aggressive as Hans Jr. Later that night, Liesl has to join other members of the Nazi youth party in a what they call bonfire or burning of books and or propaganda of the enemies of the Third Reich. During this time, Liesl hears a word, communist. And she hears it associated with Jews, which was then associated with a disease. And in that moment, she stops and begins to piece together her life from the moment she heard her mother being called a communist, understanding her father's disappearance, her brother's death. All of these things are being tied together in her mind. And she is understanding 
that maybe her family are Jews, are communists, according to the Nazi party, and that maybe the Nazi party are responsible for her mother not being able to reply. This begins her hatred for Hitler. So in the same night, Liesel actually steals a book, and that's how the part ends. So throughout this part, we definitely see instances of bravery, of gumption, of determination, sort of this struggle of wanting to fit in, but also realizing truth. But throughout all of this, we also see opportunity. So in the first part to podcast, we discussed what Florilegium was. But just as a little reminder, I'll go ahead and read through it again. This definition is coming directly from blessedbookpodcast.com. The word Florilegium is the Latin flos, meaning flower, and legere, I hope I'm saying it right, <laughs> meaning to read. The literal definition is a gathering of flowers or collection of fine extracts from a body of a larger work. It is a word adapted from the Greek word for anthology, which has the same etymological meaning. The sacred practice for Florilegium was first used by medieval monks. They would take excerpts from the writings of the church fathers of pagan philosophers like Aristotle to create compilations about similar themes or doctrines. To practice Florilegium, you choose two or more flowers from the text that is, small snippets, just a word or phrase, of the text that really spoke to you. You put these flowers to text together in a bouquet to see what it creates and what it offers you. In other words, you see what meanings and wisdoms you can find by analyzing the different flowers in the context of only each other. So like I already said, during this reading, I was struck by all of these moments of opportunity that Liesl has and... I guess the first flower <laughs> that I picked was from page 89 and the phrase is just her hunger to do so and I think it's quite interesting that once Liesl starts to become more comfortable in herself within her family within this town she's beginning to have a hunger and a drive and we see a little bit more of the strength of who Liesl is and then on page 91 the flower that I picked is this phrase that says, despite her failure. And then on page 101, the phrase is an air of absolute pleasantness. So reading them all together was her hunger to do so, despite her failure, an air of absolute pleasantness. I think it's interesting how sometimes when we read things, we kind of are met where we are in our own personal life. I definitely feel that this determination, this hunger to go after what we want sometimes gets lost once we get a little bit older, once we realize there are jumps and hoops we have to get through. Um, but I think there's a quote that says, a student knows the rules and an artist knows when to break them. And I think sometimes <laughs> that just kind of happens to us. We become students of life and we know the rules, we know the boundaries, but it takes a lot of courage to break out of them, to create a life that we want for ourselves, to cultivate an environment that we love and we romanticize our own life about. And it's kind of what 
jumps out at me and really makes me think about being able to cultivate that life and environment that I would possibly romanticize instead of romanticizing everybody else's life people on TikTok who live in beautiful environments or um, people who have little highland cows as pets and they're super super adorable or people living lives that seem cool (laughs) but I find out inspiring and kind of derive that from the text because also like Liesl is a very young girl living in the middle of or beginning of World War II and living around all this hatred and living around poverty and (laughs) living around abandonment really she feels abandoned by by her mother and then anger and it's just a lot a big burden for one young child and she begins to have a hunger and a drive to read really that's all it comes down to boils down to is her wanting to read her wanting to prove to herself and to her classmates that she is smart and then on page 91 that despite her failure it kind of just seems to point to the fact of Liesl's constant inability to read or constant inability to keep up or constant inability to meet the expectations of her teachers to meet the expectations of those in her town but despite her failure she has a hunger and a thrive to continue despite the limitations that have been put on her the limitations that her foster parents have she herself still has a hunger and a drive to do better for herself really and then page 101 an air of absolute pleasantness i can't really say why i picked this phrase but it just jumped out at me an air of absolute pleasantness i think i picked this because it it seems to go with the other two but then not really but then also it does (laughs) i think just having these moments of pleasantness just seems so astounding in the middle of all of these trials in the middle of all these troubles and poverty and like i said all the other things mentioned before of hatred of violence really (laughs) of abandonment there are still moments of pleasantness and maybe really these phrases should be rearranged to despite her failure her hunger to do so an air of absolute pleasantness that maybe despite her failure she still has a hunger to do things for herself to learn how to read to learn how to write to try to keep up with everybody she has an air of absolute pleasantness around her because of this drive to never give up and to not be defeated and to not let others defeat her And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling definitely inspired by Liesl Memminger. Alright friends, that's all that I have for this week. It was a pretty short episode for a pretty small part. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you next week with part three. Bye!